KPOO San Francisco. It's 11 o'clock. When we are ignorant, whether passively or intentionally, we have no chance to see the truth for what it is. about in a foggy bliss of unawareness. If we make ourselves ignorant, if we actively delude ourselves, then we are making a terrible mistake. We rob ourselves of the clarity of truths. We miss the beauty as well as the full depth and Well, good morning. This is Nube coming at you on this well, a little bit chilly Thursday morning. I'm here at KPU. You are tuned into KPOO San Francisco 89.5. And you can also reach us at the World Wide Web at KPOO.com. And again, good morning. Uh, take a nice breath. Take it in, settle in. And I hope you are having a good morning. Um, coming at you again from KPOO, California Prison Focus, Prison Focus Radio, every Thursday from 11 to noon. So this morning, um, it's a good morning. We are going to have a guest with us uh, for a short minute. Um, Ann Wiles, one of the attorneys for the Ashker v. Brown uh, class action suit, which I will uh uh, she'll be with us, so I will introduce her a little bit further um, down the the way here. Um, but of course, I've got a few announcements that I would like to make for you all out there. Um, first, I just want to give a big shout out to the folks listening behind the walls. Um, I just want you to know that we are out here for you in what we are calling, or actually what I hear y'all calling, the free world. And I just want you to know that we, it's not so free out here. We got some challenges um, that you all inside there um, make known to us about really how it is that we are treating one another. And I want to thank you for your leadership, for your inspiration, for your almost unworldly capacity to understand and um, what this system, this prison industrial complex, this military industrial complex, imperialism, really how it's affecting people. And your words, your commentary, your insights around your experience and sharing it with us is so incredibly valuable and much needed out here. I know there's a lot of work that people are doing, um, including California Prison Focus, um, SF Bayview, IWOC, all the amazing organizations and people out here, families that are exposing what's happening on the inside. But you there that are um, on the front lines, um, and behind what I would call enemy lines, um, sharing with us, again, your wisdom. Um, we love you. We're fighting out here for you, with you as well. And I don't ever want you to give up hope. I'm saying that to you um, on behalf of all the people I know in my world that are um, out here struggling with you as well. Because really what we call the free world, we're not free if you're not free. And um, liberation only happens when we come together in that mighty force. So um, 
I also want to say that if you are, I, I, if you are in the shoe, uh, please subscribe to the Prison Focus newspaper, um, and you can write to us at four four zero eight Market Street, Suite A, Oakland, California nine four six zero eight so if you are in the shoe you can get this um, newspaper for free um, and for others it is a small cost um, I think it's eight dollars um, we also take stamps beautiful art um, and I thank you too also I want to say to all of those that have been that contribute art it's just so beautiful um, and speaks to so much about who you so much more about who you are so again, 4408 Market Street, Suite A, Oakland, California, 94608. Please get that newspaper um, and, and encourage your family members to get this newspaper and share it and understand and uh, get more woke, get, become more aware and really learn a lot more about what's happening. Okay, the other... Th um, we are still in a fundraiser, a fundraiser, a f sorry, fundraiser. I'm going to get one. Fundriver fundraiser with KPOO. Um, they are trying to raise, we are trying to raise $75,000 by the end of December 31st, 2019. So again, this is a collective effort, people. This is about how we care about one another, how we care about um, the beautiful things that are happening within our communities and KPOO is a 100% listener supported radio station. That means all of you that are hearing my voice right now are part of that, um, th are part of that community of listeners. And KPOO is, it's been around for a long time, but it takes all of us and we need it to keep going because if we don't have the voice of the people, we are going to be continually lied to and controlled by the other mass media. So it's, it's so important that we have radio stations like this that provide platforms, for instance, for prison focus radio, right? So not only does California prison focus have a newspaper, but now we have this opportunity here to be able to speak to you and elevate those voices that don't normally get heard um, by having this this uh, program every Thursday from 11 to noon, and it can only happen if all of us come together and kick down some funds. So, KPOO, um, all the donations are tax deductible. Send um, a check or money order to KPOO PO Box 156650, San Francisco, California 94115. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty certain you can go to KPOO.com, go right to their website, and I'm sure there's a donate button there to make it easier. Yep, you can donate online, KPOO.com with your debit or credit cards. Remember, all donations are tax deductible. So, if you got a little bit more to also spread around, um, I say whatever we have is our wealth and um, kick some down to California Prison Focus because we are trying to match a very generous donation that was given to us um, just some months ago and we have until the end of the year to uh, match those $25,000. So if you can, kick down a little bit more and go to prisons.org and you can press the donate button there as well or sec send your check or money order to for California Prison Focus 4408 Suite Market Street Suite A Oakland California 94608 so please remember that we have to do this together we need to we really 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 need to boost uh, our capacity to look towards each other as being able to make the changes um, that we want to see in the world um, and to stop outsourcing to uh, other things like the police. Okay, the, one of the last things that I would like to uh, mention is that we are um, California Prison Focus and the SF Bayview have partnered with uh, Cage Universal 
and the Queen Memorial Church. We are going to be doing an Artivist in Action and Solidarity fundraiser. So please, I'm going to read the description here. This is going to be an awesome, awesome event to raise money for uh, the SF Bayview and uh, the Prison Focus newspaper out of California, Prison Focus. So come and join us December 7th. Put this in your calendar. It's only a few weeks away. December 7th, 2019, 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Come support two print media dedicated to representing and uplifting the incarcerated community and their allies. Join us for a night of celebration and support. Cage Universal, QMC, SF Bayview, Black Newspaper, and California Prison Focus have partnered together to present the annual Ratcliffe War Awards fundraiser, an exhibit of the art and creativity of formerly and currently incarcerated members of the community. This event will include a silent art auction, art sales, and live entertainment. Proceeds will go to the SF Bayview and California Prison Focus to continue to support their publications. There will be free refreshments supplied by a generous donor. The question is, who's going to win the Ratcliffe Award? Well, you'll know if you come... Um, to our wonderful event on December 7th from 4 to 7 p.m. You can find out this information also will be on our calendar at prisons.org. And um, the address is 1324 East 24th Street, Oakland, California, 94606. Okay, folks, I'm going to take a quick music break and get Anne on the phone.
Okay, folks, that was Stevie Wonder doing his amazing, uh, we just love that song by Stevie. So, um, okay, we have now, we are going to have Ann Wiles is going to be with us on, um, I'm going to introduce her and then we're going to get to talking to Ann Wiles for a minute here. So, uh Anne uh, Wiles is the co-counsel in the Ashker versus Brown class action suit that challenged solitary confinement and indefinite detention in the Pelican Bay State Prison shoe solitary confinement um, and resulted in the 2015 settlement released um, that released 2,000 people from California Department of Corrections small R rehabilitation security housing units. So I am pleased to say good morning to Anne. Anne, are you there? Good morning, Ruby. Yes, I'm here. Great. Oh, so good to have you this morning, Anne. Thank you so much for taking some time out. It's going to be great to talk to you about a few things here. So um, was that introduction okay? Did I? Did, uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. Beautiful, beautiful. So, um, and I think we're just going to, we want to take a little bit of time to talk about um, our friend and loved one inside who was um, one of the main representatives in this uh, class action lawsuit, Satawa Nantambu Jama'a, and um, with with three, uh, three others as well. And we just want to talk about a little bit about, first of all, why they... Well, let's start with a little bit of background about about the um, the hunger strikes, the historic hunger strikes that um, resulted in this this class action suit, and um, and sure. the, the significance of of Sitawa and these other leaders. And uh, so, let's just give a little bit of background because you've got some great information around that. Sure. Well, I I first met um, uh, sort of a I got into this litigation of this legal work and meeting our uh, Satawa and our our clients in our class action lawsuit. I met them in 2011 because two other lawyers, uh, Marilyn McMahon and Carol Strickman, had been banned by CDCR, and they were the ones that was, were going up and down to Pelican Bay to negotiate with, this, with the prison system and representing uh, these the reps and the, and the leaders of the hunger strike of 2011. There were three different uh, strikes there. In any case, so I met Satawa, who, um, again, I guess July, maybe September 2011, and he is a most extraordinarily impressive person. Um, he and Todd Asker, who was uh, one of the original complaints, complainants, uh, plaintiffs in our lawsuit around solitary confinement. So Todd Asker and, and Satawa were in, in cells next to each other, and they, over a period of time, they developed a very powerful relationship. Um, and they were, along with um, Arturo Castellanos and Antonio Guillen, they were, they over a period of years developed this, this strong unity and said, well, we're going to risk it all. We're going to go on hunger strike. Our younger uh, men and women are coming in the systems, do not deserve this, can, should not have to tolerate solitary confinement. So they crafted um, a series of documents, and this is like 2011, 2012. One was this extraordinary document called the Agreement to End Hostilities, which is unprecedented in our in our uh, correctional system in CDC. Um, in that, this document says basically that all of the major groups, you know, the so-called gangs, will stand back and not assault each other. They'll work out their differences peacefully, and they'll reserve their energy for fighting the system as a prisoner class. And uh, so, so they promulgated, they issued all these documents before the hunger strike. Um, in 2013, and um, again, I mean, I would go up there every week during the hunger strike for two days, and the amazing leadership that Satawa brought. For, for example, like, for, so they started to go on strike in um, July, I think it was 12, 2013, and within eight days, the system, the administration, they say, well, now you're on hunger strike if you refuse eight meals or however many. And so then they took the leaders of the hunger strike uh, from the shoe of Pelican Bay, where they were in solitary, to ADSEG. And as they were doing that, um, Satawa just led led the group in this big chant called 40 Days or 40 Nights, 40 Days and 40 Nights. In other words, they could withstand 40 days and 40 nights of starvation in order to win their set of demands. And they had five core demands, and then they had some secondary demands, which are also very important. So 
Satawa was, I mean, you know, you can't, you're not, he's not here with us, obviously, but he's an incredibly, uh, how do you say, he's a very powerful presence. He's, he's really brilliant. He's incredibly uh, thoughtful in how he thinks about it, about things. In fact, Todd Asker told me over the years that it was he, it was their combination, like, Todd is more of a legal mind. He, he's a paralegal. He's, he actually represented himself in cases against the system, against CDC. But he, he Todd, thought um, Satawa was this incredible theorist and political strategist. And uh, so this combination of the two of them um, really were, in, any, in many ways, they were the two out of four leaders of the strike. Um, and, of course, there were a lot of other men um, who were also part of the agreement to end hostilities. But anyway, I could go on and on about Fatal. But so then they come out of the strike. They struck, and people might forget this, for, for 60 days. It was in their 60th day that they finally decided to make an agreement um, basically with this, with this legislature of California with the Public Safety Committee people that was um, uh, Lonnie Hancock and Tom Amiano of the Assembly and the Senate to basically – um, come off strike to suspend their strike because this, the, those committees would hold three different uh, Senate hearings, uh, public safety committee hearings on solitary confinement and the evils of solitary confinement, which is what they did. Now, bringing up to date, ultimately, uh, Satawa and our men, in our case, our plaintiffs, uh, got out of a couple thousand almost, got out of four different shoes, and they were put in general population. Um, Satawa ended up, first he was at uh, Tehachapi State Prison, and then he was moved to Salinas Valley. When he came to Salinas Valley, he was met with, uh, very, with quite a bit of hostility by the guards, the old guards, they call them the Green Wall, who extremely hostile to black uh, leadership, to black um, folks in general, and um, are still sort of reliving the days of George Jackson at San Quentin. They're sort of super old school, but... Satawa, in its extraordinary, I don't know, his presence, his leadership, his, his generosity, his generous spirit, I should say, generosity of spirit, he ended up winning over a lot of the most hardcore COs, guards, uh, folks there, putting aside the IGI and the sort of the, the bad actors, so to speak. And ultimately, he won a lot of accommodations. I have one right in front of me that I just picked out of my long file in this case, um, having to do with, it's called a laudatory chrono, and I, I won't read the whole thing, but so they're commending him, this is the administration at Salinas Valley State Prison, the associate warden, his name is Borla, he's, com he's basically um, commending Satawa for his leadership of a group called Life Cycle, um, in which Satawa sat, so they bring in young men from, I guess, I guess Salinas County or whatever, the area, young men that they think are at risk to being um, in prison. So Satawa would sit with this group of young men, and apparently he had such a profound effect on them. He, Satawa, would sit in the middle, and all these young men would be sort of surrounded in chairs, like maybe 20, 25 people. And um, he would basically ask them one by one, what do they want to do with their lives? What are, what, what are their plans? And... Um, then he'd go to the next person, and then that. Then he'd go around again, and that person that he initially asked that question to would then respond with, you know, a lot of very thoughtful and very uh, ultimately sort of vulnerable statements. And anyway, the, apparently the wardens, and I've heard this from several um, over, you know, this was this was in nineteen, I guess nineteen twenty sixteen, excuse me. But a lot of these uh, comments that came back to me were that these guards and these uh, leadership of the prison. The words at all were just dumbfounded at, at how how persuasive he was, how his his authenticity was such that he just really penetrated the the defensiveness of these young men and allowed them to be you know more authentic in that state. So here I'm getting choked up. <laughs> I made me too. Oh my God, I hear you. Now, I know because now um and I anyway I, I'm on this. I came on the show really to talk about this terrible thing that happened last Monday, which is that Satawa had a stroke um, at Salinas Valley State Prison approximately at 9, 8.39 in the morning, and his celly uh, called their protocol, as you say, man down. If there's some kind of um, medical, you know, emergency, 
So his deli did that, but instead of immediately bringing medical attention to Satawa, as he's lying there unconscious on the cell, in the cell, um, the the IGI, these are the institutional gang investigators, they are, you know, they basically are CIA, the FBI of the system. They get up into all their SWAT gear, they get into the cell, they take photographs, they read all these documents, personal and legal documents, they confiscate stuff. Um, you know, they don't treat him as a victim. Right, he's <laughs> right. They're not the medical issue. attention. <laughs> not at all. It is, it's just girls. Um, and then ultimately they give up on that, and then they bring, uh, I guess, um, I'm actually, I, I don't know this obviously firsthand. My sources are other prisoners, and other prisoners are sending us documents with, with more detail. So this is just the general conversation, uh, the general facts that I am aware of. Um, so after the IGI, you know, doesn't get what they want or finishes their um, investigation, then they bring in a, somebody from medical who gives, who treats him, he used to talk with Norcan, which was is an anti-overdose, uh, anti, what does he say, an antidote for overdoses, for o- opiate overdoses, right. and of course that's not the problem. Um, so ultimately, they do get him to the hospital. Um, his sister, um, Marie Levin, was called by the prison at 2 o'clock that afternoon to announce the stroke to her, she already knew at nine because the Sally had called her. So there's a huge time difference. Right, uh, that's like almost five, that's five hours. Exactly. And, and I've been to that prison, Salinas Valley State Prison, and to go to Salinas Memorial Hospital from the prison is at least a half an hour. You know, I don't know about traffic, obviously, and what the ambulance did or whether there was an ambulance. So actually, um, our legal team is now investigating this and demanding that CDCR, uh, preserve all the documents, all the documentation of whatever anyone did, um, you know, as soon as that man down uh, statement was was made. And, you know, it seems obvious, but it is clear that in that, if there is a man down, the proper protocol is to immediately bring medical attention as fast as possible to the to the prisoner. So um, Satawa is in hospital in Salinas, and he's doing, um, he's in, in urgent care. Um, he's still not able to breathe on his own, but he is making progress and, um, his cognitive abilities seem intact. It's just a day to day, um, kind of situation. And his family is there every day. His sister is there every day, every minute she gets she can visit him, and she has, I think, had a very, you know, powerful impact on him as well as you have, do they? So, well, I, I, and thank you for all of that. And the the truth of that is, there's still, you know, there's there's really there's so much more. The the, um, you know, the heaviness, the weight of what's really happening. Um, I think um, is. Uh, is difficult to 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 really measure and and gauge, but you know, the, to me, what I'm hearing, and I hope what some of the um, I hope what the listeners are hearing in your telling of what's happening is that the lack of care, the lack of um, um, humanity being expressed for. Um, Satawa and others inside prison. I mean, this is this is this is an indictment of, of CDCR's policies um, and how they treat people, human beings um, that are supposed to be quote under their care. And so, when you know, I'm hearing you talk about how, and I mean, I I know this already, but it's still just it, in the telling of it and the hearing it again, how. Um, here is this incredible person who clearly has um, it's such a, a powerful and positive impact on the people around him. Um, can't even get, you know, just basic, uh, basic medical care. And this is something that the prisoners inside have been, this is something that they, they fight for, they're fighting for all the time. We get hundreds of letters, right, about medical neglect. I mean, how, I mean, I think people, I really want people to hear that, okay, 
you know, Sitawa is this amazing person and he's got all this love and support around him. But we need to understand and highlight the fact that what CDCR is doing, what their policies and the people that are playing those policies out are doing should be illegal. And I know that that's part of what you all are are looking into. And I need and, you know, people need to understand that what is happening to um how this system is working against the people on the inside, um, we really need to be, we need to be up in arms about that, you know, and the, these, you know, the, um, institutional gang investigators, um, you know, swooping in on, uh, um, and, uh, during a medical emergency to mess with somebody's legal papers and, and that, the people should no, be enraged it, by that. <laughs> it is. They treated it as a crime scene. Now, the right. thing is, and 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 actually, there's uh, an understory here in the sense that since Satawa came to Salinas Valley State Prison, like I said, he has won over in many ways some of the, the leaders of that prison, the wardens, the assistants, the associate wardens, and others, captains. And yet, you know, in the system itself, IGI is a separate entity. Mm. It, its leadership is is in Sacramento. It's the office of of correctional safety, whatever, all these acronyms. But um, so they know Satawa. That's what, to me, is sort of sinister about this. Right. We don't know all the facts, but they know who he is. He he is known by, and it was mentioned by one of the the uh, prisoners, that he, they overheard the guard saying that he's notorious, he's Satawa. And I know Satawas and and. And, and Asker and Castellanos and Guillen and Franco, I mean, they are all seen as these are the leaders of these various groups are, you know, perceived at least by, by the system. And so anyway, that it is. So I and when I say sinister, I'm thinking, how dare they? They know that he's a leader. He's the leader of the blacks in our CDCR. Right. He is like head of the new African. So so. So I don't, I don't want to say, you know, I don't know the facts, all the facts, I wasn't there, but it is so outrageous and so sinister to think that they would immediately treat him with the best possible care because they know we're all watching. But the arrogance of the system, the arrogance of IGI thinking that they control the system and, and within every California prison, IGI like has it separate, um, it is a separate entity. So it oftentimes even has contradictions with the warden and with the conduct of, of how that warden or his associates want to run the prison. So there is a tension and contradictions oh. historically between those two entities um, or groupings. And so I just, you know, this should <laughs> never have happened. No. And, and, I, yeah. and I, you may know, I mean, I don't know, I'm not a doctor. I, I just know of there has been in the last years a new medical kind of um I don't know. It's a miracle in a sense. There is a drug apparently that you, if you get administered this drug within four hours of a stroke, it will alleviate or, you know, diminish or, you know, eliminate the effects of a stroke. And obviously Satawa was not given that medication and he didn't have the opportunity to have that medication. But theoretically, if he had been immediately sent, picked up, put on a gurney, sent into, put into an ambulance and gone to the hospital, this would never have happened. And that's why I am just, you know. Yeah, I can hear you. You're enraged, and we should all we should all be enraged. And thank you so much for clarifying that, though, because I think it also can give us an opportunity out here in terms of um, being um, a support system and getting and as as we gain more knowledge about really how this system is working, we can find the places where we can. Um, really create some some cracks and fissures because if we're standing by the leadership of somebody like Satawa um you know and and we're talking about you know building a campaign to to help free him when he goes up for parole but you know we are taking the leadership of uh, men like Satawa on the inside um and and watching them and seeing how they are creating these relationships um that that are beneficial to um, the workings on the inside that can really again just really highlight um, what we want as a community in terms of um, organizations like because like the IGI that, that they shouldn't be able to operate how they're operating and how right. is you know and there should not be there should not be some organization that is systematically trying
going to undercut and undermine um, work that's that good work that's being taken place um, in the inside of these 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 prisons. Oh, I totally agree. In regards to the agreement and hostility mm-hmm. during before we settled the after litigation, the Pelican Bay solitary confinement litigation, we actually uh, one of our main demands. So we went up. We the lawyers went up and met with all the the main plaintiffs. There were ten of them, including Zatawa. And um, over a period of several meetings, we crafted a set of demands. One of their main demands was that the agreement to end hostilities be put on every bulletin board in every public space within within the system. And um, and so, uh, excuse me, I'm on. That's okay. No, I, I, that gives me the chills every time you mention the agreement to end hostilities. I don't. We're going to read it at some point during this this time. Um, but yeah, please go ahead. Sorry about that, Deborah. So anyway, so um, so we fought for that to be, you know, basically, you know, distributed throughout the prison system. You know, make it public for all the, you know, prisoners to see in every public space. I don't know, you know, where that is in every prison, but there obviously are bulletin boards. And yet, so in the beginning, you know, there was some um, theoretical openness to that, but as the years have gone on since we settled in late 2015. They have hardened, hardened, hardened. This is they, the IGI at all, have hardened their views towards anyone who uh, who is basically promulgating the agreement on hostility. Some of our named plaintiffs, I won't name them, but they actually they were put back in shoe because they were basically talking to other prisoners about the agreement to hostilities. You know, once they get they got released to these various prisons throughout the state. So. They were like organizing around this document, and yet they would be systematically punished for it. So, because the agreement on, as I mentioned earlier, it, you know, the whole way that the system operates is to divide and conquer mm-hmm. right. by different colors, different races, different ethnicities, different whatever. And so, when the prisoners themselves unite it under this document and agree to its terms, um, it's a very powerful, powerful thing, and it threatens the powers that be of the system. It does. And I, again, I just really, really, really want to highlight to our, our listeners the implications of that. Think about this. These, these men under the worst, the most controlled, the most repressive circumstances came together. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and built and, and this. And for 60 days. Most people do uh, not survived 60 days of starvation and having been seeing them week after week, I could see they were shrinking. I mean, they really did lose a tremendous amount of weight. But most of them, if not all of them, was some, they came out so super strong at the end. I mean, you know, know, philosophically strong, politically strong, and emotionally strong, you know, in spite of what was going on in their bodies. They are the most extraordinary group of people. And Sita was one of the leaders you know and and so anyway i'm just much love to him and i hope he comes out of it me too me too it is a beautiful um I mean, he is, he really is an extraordinary person. And I also want to give a shout out to his sister, Marie Levin, as well. She is Queen Marie Levin. She is an amazing, (laughs) powerful woman, I'll tell you. You know, so actually. If anybody's going to bring him back to his full former self, it'll be Marie. Absolutely. Absolutely. But she in particular, she is just. She really is. And, and Satawa is, I mean, he, he really is an extraordinary person. I know you've used that, that, um, that description a few times and it, 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 it I, I can't think of a better one for sure. Um, and I also, I just want to take a moment too to let people know that they can, um, Satawa is still in the hospital, but, um, you can write to him at, um, Sitawa Nantambu Jama'a, and that's S-I-T-A-W-A, Sitawa Nantambu is N-A-N-T-A-M, like Mary B, like boy, U, Jama'a, J-A-M, like Mary again, A-A. Um, his slave name is R-N Dewberry, so capital R, capital N, Dewberry, and his, um, his unfortunate number is C35671, and you can write to him at P.O. Box 
1050 Soledad, California, 92960. Satawa loves, loves, loves people. He loves to communicate with people. So uh, he would love any of your letters. And just send out energy right now, just some healing, love, energy. He loves to dance. That's clear. I've... Um, <laughs> discovered that when we were singing to him um, at the hospital. Um, he, was, he was moving whatever he could. And um, so clearly he loves to dance, loves music, and one of his favorite songs. So if any of you want to um, get on your whatever whatever music app and play Sister Sledge's We Are Family, get to it and be in communion with, with Sitawa. Um, he really is an extraordinary person. And... Um, uh, you know, I'm just I'm also really grateful for your for your work. And because, again, you know, talking about the agreement and hostilities and what it really takes to um, pull people together for a common cause for this is really for our humanity. And if you believe in human rights and you have to believe in the prisoners, human rights and these guys and, and, and fighting for the prisoners, human rights movement um, is really it's just a clarion call for all of us out here. We need we need the lawyers. We need the writers. We need the activists. We need the organizations. We need just the, the working folk. We just need anybody. We need everybody that cares. And understand about how we should be treating each other. Um, I personally want to see a world without prisons, but we have prisons right now. And what are we doing if we are going to hold people accountable through this prison system right now? What's happening? Um, really, if you were to ask yourself what's happening to these men and women and our youth on the inside, um, should not be happening if we are talking about shifting our energies towards how we care about each other. And so, um, you know, one of the things and that we are doing, which I would love for you to talk about just a bit is, um, you know, we are doing a free Satawa campaign. Now we might be changing it up a little bit now that there is a, um, in terms of, uh, you know, how we're going to go about this campaign, but, um, uh, because now that uh, Sitawa is, um, you know, facing this uh, medical healing space. Balance, yeah. Right, exactly. So he is coming up for parole. Um, uh, this is for the sixth time. Now, I, I don't think it's that he's been up to, like, had a hearing five times before, because there, I think, you, and maybe you can explain. Well, you know, exp I, I, no, when he was at Tehachapi, um, I think that was probably 2014. Uh-huh. Anyway, he did have the theoretical possibility of a parole hearing, but he postponed it. Exactly. And then, and then he has postponed it again, or did postpone it again, I believe. And so now he's, he's coming up for parole in July 2020. Um, and, you know, just given his medical situation, of course, we don't know how it's going to proceed. Um, but theoretically, he could also, there are several other ways to maybe get him paroled. There's something called compassionate release. Mm -hmm. Um which is like a parole hearing in itself. It's just a different process or procedure. But that um, he would have to be, I think, um, well, anyway, I don't want to discuss, and I don't know really his medical right, right. in that sense. But So then, then there's something called medical parole, which would bring a person who's incapacitated medically to your community uh, rehab or whatever community hospital. But then you're still under the, uh, you know, the auspices of CDC, CDCR, whatever. And so, um, you know, it might be, you know, of course, it's up to the lawyers and up to Satawa himself, of course, to make the decision. But uh, we could build for him to get a real parole, a total lifetime ending of his, you know, being in prison in July. So, you know, it's a lot of strategy and tactics to discuss, you know, in the next, you know, in the next month. Exactly. But given that's not so far away, and from reading about compassionate release rules he read, it's like um, it could take that long anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it takes yeah. about you know unless you're about to die, you know, and then they can speed it up. But sure, sure, uh, that's not the situation here. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, folks, stay tuned because we are the, 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 the we are going to be we're building a campaign in whatever capacity. So, like I've always said, y'all, you know, reach me at prisons.org. Well, sorry, you can reach me at newbay at prisons.org um, to uh, you know stay in touch with us as we're you know, you know building this this campaign and get to know Satawa even more. Um, 
and the other leaders of this of this hunger strike as well. I mean, it's not like we're we're leaving them behind. Those guys, um, they don't even have a parole hearing yet, and they are being systematically retaliated against as we speak. So, um, it's uh, the 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 campaign. That's the one thing that's really beautiful about Satawa and and these guys that built that the, the authors of this agreement to end hostilities, um, and. The, uh, you know, the formulation of the prisoners' human rights movement. The campaign for Satawa is not about Satawa. It's just that he actually has a parole date. These other, you know, and what we want to part of this campaign or the main part of this campaign led by Satawa is that, um, it's to shine a spotlight on what's happening to all of these guys. We came to this understanding. We had a there was a conference uh, a couple weeks ago about solitary confinement and about mass incarceration. So this was uh, this workshop that that Ray and I uh, were facilitating. Anyway, we had a, a lot of you know positive feedback to do a campaign to free all the leaders of the hunger strike, the leaders who signed on to the agreement to hunt uh, to end hostilities, because as of now, none of them are being paroled. They're not being paroled because they're leaders. They're not being paroled because they they uh, helped author author that author that document. They're not being released because for a number of bogus reasons, but basically because this is retaliation by the system because they were leaders of the strike. Um, so we are starting as as Nube says, we're starting with uh, Satawa because his parole hearing is coming up. But we're wanting to basically systematically try and get every one of these people uh, paroled to set an example that the, you know, the system cannot repress, you know, such honorable people and leaders um, in our society, not just obviously in the prison system itself. Absolutely. I mean, as a community, we, we are missing their leadership. We are missing Absolutely. that from our community, and that we should be enraged by that. That should not be okay. I mean, they, the, the agreement to end hostilities is essentially a peace document, and we should be enraged at the fact that there are systems in place that are 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 keeping that away from us, and then right. at the same time putting out this narrative that. Uh, about, you know, how violent people are and how, um, you know, and they're the worst of the worst and they're just criminals. Well, uh, clearly that's, that's not true. <laughs> I mean, and so we have to start thinking for ourselves as well, people. We really, I hope you all are hearing this, that this document, this is a major, major document, a complete indictment around the narrative that the CDCR is continually puts out and what the system is, is trying to uphold. And it is a, it is a peace document. It is a document, something that we can all follow as well in terms of being able to come together and start creating the world that, that we actually want to see and is actually possible. And these, and, and so, Go to prisons.org and look at our past archives and read the agreement and hostilities. It's an, it literally is, it's a document that needs to be, I mean, like one of the things you said that you were fighting for is just to try to get it into all of the prisons. I mean, right. how beautiful and helpful is that? Why is that not happening? And why, and the people don't know that. Why are they punishing people who try to promulgate or organize it? Exactly. It's because it's threatening to the guards. Yes. It's threatening it's, to the, to it, the prison guards union. Absolutely. And that is not what we are, have our, I mean, if we're going to be holding people accountable and we're going to say we're going to do it in prisons, then that should not be happening. With these guards, you know, that, that, that goes against everything that most people think that people are sent to prison or to jail for, right? You did something and so now you have to, you've got to, you got to pay for it, right? You got to be held accountable. Well, you know, most of the men who, who are, Leaders of the hunger strike and who are signed on to the agreement and hostilities who have not been paroled, but for being in the shoe for decades and decades, they would have been paroled. Yes. And so now the parole, uh, the parole commission is now holding it against them that they were in shoe. <laughs> the fact that, you know, it used to be that you're in shoe, you would never get paroled because you're in shoe. Now the parole board is saying, well, you were in shoe, so you're never going to get paroled because you were a bad person because you were in shoe. So it is so circular. And they're also, 
you know, one of the things that is against people when they get paroled is that they were they were active in the hunger strike. So right. it's, it's just this this circular uh, punishment, and so and it's and it really is the politicization of the system because if they were going to treat each of these individuals, these these leaders of the hunger strike, our plaintiffs in the Asker litigation. As, you know, as everybody else, if they had a single standard for how they're going to treat people, these people would have all been out and released. Absolutely. But because they are powerful leaders and they um, have, you know, contributed to the hunger strike and actually made incredible changes to the system, but for their actions, but for their starving for 60 days, you know, they wouldn't have gotten out of shoe. We wouldn't have limited the use of solitary confinement in the, in, the, in California's prisons. But they are being punished for their leadership. So that's why we're going to push to get Satawa paroled and then go after everyone. We'll just follow with with every other um, of these individuals who signed on to the agreement hostilities to get them paroled. So that's the plan. <laughs> Hopefully you guys can join us. Yes. Really support. Oh, and you're, you're so awesome. Yes, that's what we want. And, and this, it is going to be ongoing. I mean, like, you know, freedom is a constant struggle. I, I mean, we can't really say that enough, right? And the reality is, it. it so let let's let's get to it. Let's make it a part of something that feels important to us. And we're talking about because this is also going to be, you know, it's not just a kind of rah rah rally kind of campaign. It really is about, you know, there's there's an historical perspective. There's a political, uh, socio political perspective that we're all going to be able to gain together and learn together um, as we go through this campaign because um, it is important that we have an understanding of why things are the way that they are and what's truly being fought for and and being able to elevate these these voices into the forefront and hear from them um, is going to be part of this campaign so it's going to be interesting too because you're going to find out things that you didn't know before and you're going to hear from people that we don't normally get to hear from and it's you know it's platforms like this um, you know on KP P.O.O. Um, it's 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 newspapers like Prison Focus newspaper, um, the SF Bayview. Um, it's work like what th- through the agreement to end hostilities and hunger strikes and and these amazing um, leaders um, uh, for prisoners' human rights. Um, it's it's folks like Anne that we're going to be hearing from and the other lawyers that are involved. I mean, it it really is. We're going to be. Um, we're going to be struggling together, right? This is, we're going to, we're going to do this together. And it's going to be, it's going to be so enlightening. And it, it is so exciting to start with, and think, to start with Satawa. But again, we want to name, um, I do want to read the names of the other people because, and we're going to get going here in just a, a couple of minutes. So, Oh, please um, do, and I'll sign off. Thank you. Okay, and thank you so much for being with us. Um, so appreciate it. And, um, yeah, listeners, just um, I'll keep you posted about uh, about this campaign. Next step, right on. Yes. Okay, thank you, too. Bye-bye, Anne. Bye. Okay, thank you, folks. Sorry about that, that little bit of a break there. So um, we have been talking about um, Satawa Nantambu Jama'a and the, the prisoner hunger strikes of 2011 through 2013, their amazing leadership um, of the other folks, and the, the extraordinary, um, of their capacity to uh, to fight for this change and it, it it really is unprecedented, really, and um, I hope all of you will want to know more. But I would like to read. Um, I'm going to read the names of the folks that authored the agreement to end hostilities, um, and just again really give a shout out to all of you that um, were a part of that. If you are hearing my voice, you are amazing. We love you, and um, and. Just keep on, and we're working with you. So the agreement to end hostilities was presented by the PBSP Shoe Short Corridor Collective. Todd Ashker, Arturo Castellanos, Sitawa Nantambu Jama'a, Antonio Guillen, and the representative's body. Danny Troxel, George Franco, 
Ronnie Yandel, Paul Redd, James Baridi Williamson, Alfred Sandoval, Luis Powell, Alex Yurgoyen, Gabriel Huerta, Frank Clement, Raymond Chavo Perez, and James Mario Perez. All right, folks, this is the end of our show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anne, for joining us this morning. I hope all of you will tune in next week um, as well. Have a beautiful, beautiful week. Um, and I would say the last thing that I want to send you off with is please keep your humanity. That to me seems to be what is really under assault and under attack at all times. Um, capitalism, imperialism, militarism, these things truly are, have the capacity and are in many ways uh, destroying us, destroying our people and planet. And capitalism in this country is definitely destroying people and planet. But don't let it destroy you. Just under, understand what's happening and look to each other. We, to, together, we are the ones that can, that can help and save and heal each other. Remember you, your humanity. Okay. Hope all is well. Have a beautiful, beautiful week again. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Many were charming. Look at how far we've come. Look at how many didn't last this long. Baby, we so strong And all the lies that they told about us Still can't stop us Cause we're stronger than ever when we stand together Never lose faith in each other We're unbreakable We're unshakable Impenetrable Can't